Hey there, and welcome to Church of the Beloved's weekly sermon podcast. My name is Kevin Zoe, and I serve on staff as the production manager here at COTB. Today's message is brought to us by Ashanti Petaway, a member of our teaching team. He is preaching from Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, the third commandment. Good morning, Church of the Beloved. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, many of you I've met before, some of you I'm meeting for the first time, but it's always an opportunity to praise the Lord and give him thanks. And whenever I get that chance, I'm just thankful for it. So I hope you guys are ready to enjoy the ride this morning as we continue in God's word. I know that he's not physically here, but just in case he's tuning in today or later, got to give a shout out to my man, Pastor Abe. Uh, that's my guy. I was envisioning growing my beard like him, but I've just not been successful for last night before before I got here. I was just like, I've got to chop this down. It's not working. I don't know how he does it. It makes it look so smooth, but for me, it doesn't quite make the mark. Uh, We are in this series, The Ten Commandments, and uh, if you are the age of 44 and above, you can admit that when we think of the Ten Commandments, usually one of the first things that comes to mind is our good old buddy Charleston Heston in that completely uh, unique movie that was not properly culturally representative, but was a staple within our world, which is the movie The Ten Commandments. Uh, It was just like, that's what came to mind. So much so that it became like an annual event, like literally I know it may be hard to imagine, but there was a time that on TV, in the broader society and culture, it was like, hey, tonight on ABC or CBS, they're going to be presenting the Ten Commandments, and people would gather their families around the table, eat, and then go watch this movie. It was like a big grand event every year. Uh, The only other movie that I remember was quite like that was The Wizard of Oz, and you just knew every year the Ten Commandments and The Wizard of Oz were going to broadcast and everyone will watch it. And so when thinking about the Ten Commandments now, it was very interesting because I, I, I've actually never, in my time of preaching, preached through the Ten Commandments. Uh, in my entire walk with the Lord, I've never actually heard a series on the Ten Commandments. And I've actually been walking with Jesus since I was 19, so I'm 44 now. So, I mean, that's a decent amount of time. And so it was a pleasure to be able to say, hey, you know, what does it look like to actually go in depth? Because I think at times we can just kind of dismiss the Ten Commandments as one of those things in the Old Testament that had value then but does not have value now. But when I look at this, I was reminded of the beauty of God's Word and the way in which He engages His people and that no matter whether it's in the Old Testament or the Old Covenant or the New Covenant, there is always value in it because of who God is. He does not waste a word. He does not waste a time. He does not waste anything within this text. Uh, Just to give us some background in regards to how I think would be a great way to approach this text actually would be to engage in a New Testament gospel. And in Matthew chapter 22, I'm just going to read a brief statement. Now, this is an engagement where the, uh, the leaders are trying to catch Jesus up. And they're basically asking him, what is the greatest of all these laws? And 22 verse 37, Jesus responds with these words. He says, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like this, you shall love the Lord, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
on these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. And you may say, well, Ashanti, why would you even begin to open with that text in light of looking at the Ten Commandments? Because I think what we see modeled by Jesus here is he's breaking into the two fragments in which the Ten Commandments break down. Engagement with him and our relationship with him and then our relationship with others. And so what we've spent these opening weeks doing over the last two weeks is addressing one in verse of uh, commandment one through four, our relationship with God. And as you transition into commandment five through ten, you'll see it involves our relationship with each other. We've heard great preaching already. Derek let us know to some conviction the other week when he talked about there's no such thing as not worshiping. There's only a choice in what we worship. And so some of us were kind of convicted when he brought up sports events and how we celebrate. <laughs> but there's truth. We are all going to worship something. The question is, what is it? Even the person who says they're an atheist, they're worshiping something, often their own thoughts. And then we got to hear last week by our sister Joyce, and she beautifully said, we cannot reduce our majestic, wonderful God to something that can be crafted and made with our hands. And so today, as we look at our text, we have transitioned into the third commandment. And I believe here, we are going to see something that we may have overlooked in looking at this. I mean, even if you've looked at this for years and years, you can miss some of the nuances of the text. And today, I want us to dig down because I believe God is going to show us something uh, regarding the casualty in which we often engage him, but also the fact that he is often calling us to do something deeper than what just looks like to be what it is on the surface. So I'm just going to take a second and pray, and then we're going to jump in. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word and the gift of being able to engage you. We thank you that you hear us and are even willing to come and be in our midst and our presence. And so, Lord God, we humbly come before you today, knowing that without you, we have nothing of value. Lord, we ask that you would allow this word to speak to our hearts. I ask that our minds would be able to be reshaped and refocused this morning. Help our hearts to be calm from the busyness of the week or the busyness of what we foresee coming in this upcoming week. Let us be present in this very moment for your glory for your namesake, and for our transformation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a lot in a name. I, I really don't think it is contingent on your culture. No one likes their name being misrepresented. In fact, I could bet that even the most timidest of persons in this room that if we walked outside and somebody came up to you and called you out of your name, you may not respond physically or outwardly, but inwardly, you're still going to feel it because you're like, what did they just say to me? Because there's this sense that, we're, that we, 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 we consider respect and honor that must be demanded in our name. Not in the aspect of being lifted up or glorified, but just in common respect. There's this, this value that we have. I'm sure if you did a survey 
everyone would say, if I am addressed outside of my name or disrespectfully, there's something that does, it does something to us as a person. Why? Because we've attached our identity, our being, and who we are to our name. And so we live in a society where I really think some of us have partaken in it, other of us in, in the world, they do it regularly, where we don't really value or see the significance in the name of God. And I know somebody may say, oh, here he goes. But when you think of a phrase like OMG, just kind of like this casual way you say, oh, my God, like, that, that, like that's just a normal way. It's, it's like an ad lib. If you watch a movie, you see uh, GD, you hear Jesus Christ when you stub your toe. All these things, it's like you can just throw the name around literally like you're doing a music ad lib. And for those of you who may not know what ad-libs are, those are those background vocals that really just kind of just randomly appear in a song. But they, they make up the body of a song. But again, that's the, that's the way we often treat the name of God, the sense of casualness. I think in a very earthly way, it'd be the equivalent of if I would have, when I first met my wife before we were married and I went to meet her parents, and instead of addressing her father as Mr. Hunt, I would have been, hey, how you doing, Danny? And all of us know that that would be what? A big no-no. Because it's a sign saying that there's a lack of respect. There's some sense of casualness in which I'm engaging him, and I'm not honoring his position and who he is. And so this great God is speaking to his people who he's brought out of Egypt, who he's allowed to get through things and come through ways in which they never could have expected He is setting the tone of saying, I need you to understand who I am. He's setting the tone of saying, I am not like these other gods, lowercase g, that you have been engaged with in the midst of being in your enslavement. You came up in an environment where everything around you had these variations, various idols, and he's setting the tone by shaping their mindset to help them understand who he is. And now he's anchored in this spot where he's saying, I also need you to understand the value of who I am in my name. And he's saying, honor my name. When we think of this, it's this idea that says, I'm going to give you respect because of who you are. We do it quite commonly in our day-to-day lives. If, regardless of your political stance, if the president came in here today, there's a good level of just honor and respect you would give to him. Why? Of his position. When you come in contact with certain people who have authority and position and power, even celebrities, you, you respond a certain way because of their position. And God is saying, in light of who I am to you, I need you to understand the value that you should not use my name frivolously. My name is not to be joked about. My name is not just to be thrown around as something to say when you're frustrated or angry. But we've grown up in a culture and a society where that's not the case. There's probably very few movies you can watch today where the Lord's name is not used out of context. And when I say out of context, it's not that they're calling upon the Lord in worship or calling upon the Lord in need of help. 
It's literally just throwing the name out there as if it's just another word. Something to be added on to describe your frustration and whatever's going on. It can even be used in lighthearted ways. But the question is, is, is that how you respond to someone who is the creator of all things? Is that the type of engagement we have with the one who formed dust? Shaped it. And then breathe the breath of life into our being. God could have said a whole lot of things, but he wants them to understand the importance in these opening four commandments of the importance of who he is. And how he is separating them from everyone else, but also in his separation from them from everyone else, he's also doing what? Separating the fact that he is like no other. And all these other deities and, and, and gods that you've seen worshiped and bowed down to, where you've seen these majestic buildings built for, for them, for temples, these big crafted things to do worship of all kinds. You say, I'm here to let you know that all of that is not real. And I am the real one and only true living God. When you think of this idea, many of us say, you know what? Well, I don't say this, Pastor Shanti. I mean, if any of us have been walking with the Lord, even if but a week, we're very mindful of what we say. I remember when I first got saved and then heard people say the Lord's name in vain. During my time, it was GD. That was, that was just always how his name was used. And I'd be like, hey, man, chill out with that. You know, when I was around the old homies after I got saved, I was like, hey, y'all got to chill out. Y'all can't do that. You ain't going to disrespect my God in front of me. Like, <laughs> And we can get into a place and a posture and a position where we really think that's it. So I've honored this commandment as long as I am not using the Lord's name, as we define it, in vain by how I refer to him. So as long as I stick to this, I've not violated it. I'm, my, my OMG is, oh my goodness. So I'm good. Or it's, oh my gosh. All these things, I'm good now. But my question to you is, have you ever read anything in Scripture that has strictly only dealt with actions and dealt with the surface? As you think about the text, when you look at the Scriptures from beginning to end, what can we think of where God is only dealing with surface-level stuff? We don't see it. Because God says what? He's not just concerned with what his man sees on the outside, but he's concerned with the heart. He's concerned with your heart. You may say, well, how do we know this? Scripture tells us. The one I was just referring to is when God is trying to pick and tell Samuel who is going to be his next leader. Samuel's like, hey, I don't see it. People don't look right. 
And God's like, listen, you're looking on these outward things. I'm concerned about the individual's heart. We can talk about all the dysfunction of David's life. But one thing that scripture always references to is that somehow, despite his dysfunction, there was something about his heart. Which reminds us and tells us that even in our imperfections, our heart can still be towards the Lord. Scripture moves in the New Testament of talking about our heart. Scripture reminds us that out of our heart comes deceitful thoughts. It can be wicked. So there's this, there's this fight for your heart, not just your mind, but your heart. So you go through the Ten Commandments and you get here and you're like, oh, I'm good. I don't take the Lord's name in vain. Well, my challenge for us all today is by not just looking into the casualty in which his name can be used, but also looking into what it means to be a representative of his name. Different societies and cultures have different values. But one thing I've known in the various places I've been, I've been in the minority in various contexts, both in the States, outside of the States. I love culture, so I'm always liking to go to somebody else's spot and learn about what they, how they get down and how they live life what foods they have. And you know one of the common things I found across all cultures is that there is a value in a family name. Now sometimes it's a little stronger than other places, but in general, most cultures, there's this value that's placed on a family's name, meaning that as a child lives out their life, or someone is a descendant from that family line of names that we'll just say the Johnsons, there is an expectation of how you then reflect that name. And none of it really has to do with what you say. All of it has to do with how you live and show up in the world. Well, what does that mean? It's the, it's the person who comes from a line who says, hey, listen, our family has always done this, and we've walked well, and we walked faithfully in this, this particular arena. And then you see a child who is living in such a way, whether a young child or older child, is saying, hey, you're not representing our name correctly. I, I'm not really focused on how you feel right now. I'm here to tell you, you're not representing the family name well. And what they mean by that is they're saying you are violating who we are known to be. How you are functioning in your day-to-day -day life, how you are living and representing us as a collective does not line up with our heritage and who we are. And there's a great weightiness and a pressure to that. But it's this idea that says, hey, we need you to understand there's a standard. So if you're going to have this last name as being a part of this family and a descendant of this family, you need to adhere to who we are and what we're known for. Now, can you be creative in how you help us flourish and grow? Yes, we're not telling you to be a carbon copy, but we are saying there's a standard by which we live. And what God is calling his people to right now is a new standard of living. He's calling on their hearts to be changed and conform to him.
And so as we think about this, not taking the Lord's name in vain, yes, we can think of it of just that casual how we use his name, but we also must represent or realize that we represent him. My, my, my mother often said this to me. She's like, we don't represent God. We represent God. It's this idea that how we live, we are representing him to the world. And so how many of us here have been frustrated, whether in faith or when you were not in faith, by how you saw Christians show up in the world? There have been many of us who have said, oh, can't trust them church folk. You've even seen people and you find out, you're like, oh, they, they were saved? <laughs> you're like, oh, Okay. And the only reason the person says that is because they recognize that they're like, okay, how they were showing up and how they were functioning, even in my loose understanding of who a Christian is and what God is, it didn't represent that. So you say, have I taken the Lord's name in vain? I would say, well, we all have. Because there have been times where we have not been a true representation of who God is. How our hearts and our lived out functioning has operated, has said, we don't really value the importance of not taking the Lord's name in vain with how we show up, how we live. And the reason why I say this is even more at the core of what the text is referring to is because God is primarily concerned with your heart. Think of what was the, one of the biggest challenges of Jesus' ministry. It was dealing with those who were in leadership within the body. And his whole message is saying, listen, yes, you guys know the law. And you know it well. Many of you even function under the rules. So you're not saying, oh my God. But your heart is the issue. What did Jesus say to the teacher who was trying to catch him up? He says, you guys clean the outside. But, but what I'm concerned about is what the filth inside of you. And so as we engage this text, it, it, it humbled me this week as I was looking through the text of reminding myself and saying, how do I show up as a representative for the Lord in my day-to-day -day life? Am I monitoring the ways in which I show up to my children? How do I show up to my wife? my friends, my work environment. It's not contingent on whether or not they're believers. It's saying, how do I show up and represent the name that has been bestowed upon me as a child of God? In the Old Testament, they were known as the Israelites because they were known as God's children. 
New Testament, they became to be known as Christians, Christ followers. And what's attached is this idea that as Christ followers, we are attached to the name and it's we're representatives of him and how we show up in the world. In Judges in the Old Testament, it's this tension because you see the people of God all of a sudden walking with God, then they turn from God, and then they cry out to God. And it's not that they were just doing random stuff. It's that their hearts were turned from God. God is concerned about your heart and then how you show up in the world in light of whose you are. So yes, we can look at the third commandment and say, oh, I haven't done this, I haven't done that. But I would encourage us all from today and moving forward to really ask ourselves, where's my heart at though, Lord? Am I being a good representative of you in the world? Am I calling on your name for things that don't line up with you? There's this element even within the church of teachers, preachers can be very guilty if they're not careful of what are we saying and then putting the Lord's name on it as a cosign. So as a teacher of God's word, I have to be careful of what it is I say from the pulpit and what I communicate and then say, God's on this. And we've all seen ways in which people have functioned in that way and we've been hurt, we've been disappointed, we've been let down. And in our heart and our core, we're saying, that does not look like the God I know. And what they're co-signing in the name of God does not seem to line up with the scriptures. And so wherever you are on this tier, the closing part of this verse is what lets us know that we cannot escape his judgment and his knowing. Because God is fully aware. There's this idea that we can just kind of loosely do and loosely say things and it's no big deal. God doesn't know it. He's fully aware because he knows your heart. If you need further proof of it, I'm going to always back something up in Scripture. Is look at how Jesus said he knew what they were saying, even though they had not verbally said anything. And then he would then address them about it. Because our God defies logic. He defies science. He can know what you're thinking before you even get it out of your mouth. And so what do we do? It says that we must be mindful of this because God is aware of it. And when we say this word judgment, I think as New Testament believers, we get scared. It's like, oh, we don't want to talk about judgment. This is not a judgment of what what I'm sharing at this point of saying this idea that somehow you lose your salvation. This isn't a judgment that says, okay, so you, you will experience damnation. You will be separated from God forever. We are judged on our works. There will be a time where the Lord looks back and says, hey. But we also must be reminded we have a gracious God who will never shun us or push him away, but welcomes us in. But even when he convicts us, he's convicting us to do what? Turn our hearts towards him. As we prepare to close, there's just one thing that I, I thought very helpful as far as saying, well, hey, how does, how does this look now? 
as we think about this time, we, we don't have the experience of having the Ten Commandments brought before us in the physical realm and, and just laid before. We're not in that time now, but as we think about this, I think about what Scripture says of, of, of the name of Jesus. And one thing that will happen, I think, is beautifully shared in Philippians chapter 2. It says, therefore... God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And why do I bring that up now? It's because as we think about why God's name is important, Think about how often in the New Testament the importance of God's name is used. The importance of Jesus' name is used. How did they cast out demons when the disciples went out? They cast out in the name of Jesus. All that they functioned and showed up was in the power in the name of Jesus. And no matter who you are or where you are, the scriptures are telling us right now that one day that everyone, regardless of what you believe, will bow to that name. So today... As those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, let us bow in humility and say, Lord, help me to see in ways in which I am not representing you and therefore violating the third commandment. It's not enough just to adjust your words and your text and your abbreviations. But he wants your heart. And that's what he's always wanting. For the non-believer who may be sitting before us, I don't say this as someone who stands in judgment of you because I too once walked as you did. And my prayer is that as you hear the scriptures, as you hear the Ten Commandments, that you will learn the heart of the God who desires you and know that even in his firmness, his love is always present. And the reason why you must value him and who he is is because then and only then can you understand your desperate need for him. We're all worshiping something. My petition to you is this. Come worship the true and living God who is the only one worthy of your worship. Let us pray. Thanks for tuning into this week's COTB Sermon Podcast. For more info or to connect with us online, you can find us at cotb.life.